Okay, well, it's great to be here and great to have the opportunity to speak today about this subject that is before us. Um, I've read it through, I don't know how many, I was going to say hundreds of times, lots of times. Um, and I still don't fully understand some parts of it. Isn't the Bible like that? It is a bit like that. There are just some things that we've, we've got to, just got to believe it and leave it with God to sort out for us. As I read this Bible, though, this passage that's just been read to us, I became very conscious and aware of one little theme. There's more than one theme, but there's one little theme that really struck me. What do you know? The little word, K-N-O-W. Um, you know, we, we use that word know in lots of different ways. Um, I know my wife, and I know her in a different way to the way you know her. You know, but that's the, this is English. It's got a few challenges in it, English. What do you know, though, specifically with reference to Jesus? We need to know him. We know that he knows us. We need to get to know him more. Have we ever got there yet? Are we still on the road? I think we're still on the road, aren't we? Uh, the day that I know everything about Jesus is the day that I will see him face to face in glory. That's what I believe. Some years ago, actually many years ago, um, I had the opportunity to do a, an evangelism explosion course. Anyone ever heard of that before? Explosion. Explosion. Uh, no, no, that, that was something that happened in Brisbane. No, this is something that happened years before that. It actually is a program that came out of America helping people to share their faith. That's what it was about. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to know as a Christian I'm supposed to talk about Jesus everywhere I go. But is it as easy as I've just made it sound? No, it's not easy. In fact, sometimes it's very difficult. But Evangelism Explosion was a course of study um, to, to teach a methodology for sharing the gospel with people. Conversations. Um, we actually, during this course, we had a week, it was at an Anglican church in Hornsby, uh, um, Naomi. Uh, we actually went out on the streets and just met people there and started to talk to them about Jesus. Now, I don't know what your method is when you just meet people, what we call cold turkey, you've never met them before, but you want to share Jesus with them. Well, they came up with uh, conversations that start with two diagnostic questions. Uh, it's called a diagnostic question because it helps you to diagnose where the person is at that you're talking to. Here's the first one. I'll share it with you for free. Do you know for certain that when you die, you will go to heaven? Do you know for certain? Um, emphasis on no and certain. Do you know for certain uh, that when you die, you'll go to heaven? Uh, I found that to be a very interesting question. I've had people who would profess to be Christian and say, well, I hope so. No, no, I'm not asking your hope. Do you know so? Not hope so, but know so. 
and uh, there are people who just don't have that assurance of what's happening to them when they leave planet Earth. The second diagnostic question is, uh, is more to tell us what a person is thinking about their ac acceptance by God. If you were to die today and stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? What would you say? Now, this is very safe here, isn't it? Because you're not having to answer the question to anyone else. But we do need to answer the question because it's a most important question. It actually reveals where a person's faith and trust is, what they're trusting in. I'll give you some answers that I've heard. Well, uh, look, I, I try my best and, and I know I'm not perfect and I just hope that in that day, in the, when the scales are being weighed, that the good things that I've done will tip at the scale in my favour and God will say, yeah, you can come in. Well, the problem is anyone who knows their Bible has got a challenge with that because the Bible says salvation is by grace, that's undeserved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And verse 9 from Ephesians 2, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So when I think about standing before God, it's not, look what I did, and thank you, Jesus. It's not that at all. It's undeserved. I can't earn it. I can't earn God's favour. He loves me unconditionally, even though he remembers that he made me out of dust. He knows my frailty, just like he knows your frailty. On what, what would you say to God if you were to stand before him and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? I'll give you my answer. Because Jesus died and paid the price for my sin. You've got to let me in because of him of what he has done, you see. So this is a very nice little passage that I've been given. The theme that you may know from verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. And you notice the circle there around the word know. You can know for sure. When I've said that to some people, they say, that is really presumptuous, even arrogant. I said, no, it's not. But if we know anything about God, he is true to his word. And if he has promised, then that settles it for me. I'm happy to move on, on the basis of what he's promised. Strong's uh, analytical concordance. I've got one at home, it's about that thick. So I've got all the words in the Bible, all the these and the its and everything. I normally get it out when we've had a baby and we we're looking for a name. So I walk into the hospital with this great big Young's Analytical Concordance under my arm and say, honey, what are we going to do about naming this baby? Now, we haven't done that for a long time. <laughs> so Young's Analytical Concordance sits on the floor with other books on it right now. But looking at that, to know 
in biblical terms, it's a Greek word, gnosko, and it means to come to know, to perceive, to recognize. It's, it's, it's really a knowing type word. And John wrote this so that we might know that we have eternal life. Not hope we have it, but that you might know, you might perceive and recognise and understand that you not will have eternal life, but you have eternal life. Now, I'm going to move away from my notes here for a minute. Do you know, it's really interesting that we, we live in a world where people are trying to get right with God on their own basis, on their own efforts. And, and, and I would say to anyone who perhaps you're saying this, say, yep, I think I should do that, give it up now. You'll never be good enough. That's what, that's what makes Jesus so special. Because I'm not good enough, but he was good enough and he is good enough and he's willing to save to the utmost those who come to God through him. We'll see that again in a moment. I just want to talk for a moment about uh, John the Apostle. The truth about John the Apostle. John spoke in these terms. You read his gospel. He's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I don't believe that Jesus loved him any more than he loved any other disciple. He didn't only die on the cross for John the, the disciple. But they had a special relationship and, uh, and that was fairly obvious. Uh, it is not said of any other disciple that, that they were the disciple that Jesus loved. Some commentators seem to suggest that perhaps what John was doing here was rather than big noting himself, he was simply recognising that, that he had this special relationship with Jesus. John himself wrote the Gospel of John. 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, they were epistles. Another word for epistle is letters. He wrote three letters and the book of Revelation. So they're the five books that John is recognised by most everybody to have been the author. He had a number of beautiful themes that he pursued throughout his writings. Um, here's one, the importance of love. Just read 1 John. <laughs> Love, 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 you know. Um, um, herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to, to die for us. 1 John 14. If anyone says he loves God and doesn't love his neighbour, he's a liar, straight up. Yeah, that's 1 John. <laughs> so this was a theme that, uh, that, that God used through inspiring John to write this little letter. And then there's the message of salvation in Jesus alone. Christ alone saves. I think our pastor talked about that last Sunday. Do you remember it? I won't ask you to tell me all the points. I won't even ask him. <laughs> but when John wrote the Gospel of John, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth book in the New Testament, in the 20th chapter, John gave us a little insight into what he was writing in that book. And this is what he said. Now, Jesus did many other things 
in the signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why I tell people when they become a Christian, a good book to read is the book of John. Because that's the whole point of what John has written about. Everything that he wrote in there was that people might understand that Jesus is the Christ and eternal life is known only in him. Now, have I overstepped the mark? No, I haven't. Because this is, this is in John's Gospel too, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus had been saying to his disciples, don't be afraid, I'm going to go away, but don't be afraid, I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And what did Jesus say? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That was a very great verse that John put there in that 14th chapter in that conversation that he was reporting. So the message of salvation in Jesus alone is one of John's themes. And then there is, this afternoon, there's the theme of knowing, the theme of knowing. Now, I'm just going to throw this on the screen. We're not going to read it because we read it just a few minutes ago. But I want you to notice that in, in all these passages that I put up there, I've underlined the word know, to know, genosko, to know. He said, I write these things so that you might know that you have eternal life. That you might know that. God, God doesn't leave us hanging uh, like a, a shag on a rock. He doesn't leave us like that. He's given us so much more than that. And if you've never understood the so much more, tonight is a wonderful opportunity to say, Lord, I need that. I need to know that in my life. So what do you know? What do you know? Well, these are some things that we know from this little passage. We know we have eternal life by believing in Jesus as Saviour and Lord. We are confident that our God is a prayer-answering God. That was in those verses, the first few verses of that reading. We know that God hears prayers that are prayed in the will of God. You know, just aside here. Um, I appreciated what um, Carissa said this morning, uh, this afternoon. <laughs> He's not here. He's not here, is he? <laughs> I appreciated what she said, though, about praying in the will of God, you know, knowing the will of God. Um, because God doesn't say that he'll just give us anything we want. Uh, and in this phrase here, in this passage, it says... We have confidence that we have, the, the, in this sense, the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything 
according to his will, he hears us. There's another verse in the Bible too that I, I shudder about a bit. If I don't treat my wife right, God won't hear my prayers. You can read that in Peter if you're interested. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. Because he does, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Friends, prayer is a powerful uh, activity of, of a Christian, the Christian life. And uh, we read these verses and uh, I, I find myself when I'm praying saying things like, Father, I don't know what your will is, but I'm praying that your will be done in this situation. And I'll accept that from you, whatever it is, as long as it's your will, because God's will is not only better than our will, it's the superlative. God's will for your life and mine is best. There's nothing better than what God has for your life. We had news this morning of a nephew and his wife who had called out for prayer. And if you might like to remember to pray for him and his wife, um, we have known them, well, we've known our nephew all his life and his wife just a bit less than that. Um, but they, they are really facing a difficult time. And he said, I'm letting you know this so that you can pray. I said to Robin after we read the, the SMS that came through, Honey, what do we pray? Lord, your will be done for Sam and Danny. Lord. <laughs> we don't know what the Lord's will is for them. But this we know. God has a plan for their life and God is equal to whatever the challenges are that they are facing in their life right now. That's what we know. So what John is saying here God hears our prayers that are in the will of God and we know we receive the things that we ask of him. Well, there's those first few verses. The second one, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Do you want a tongue twister? <laughs> We've got one there, haven't we? And I puzzled over this and I prayed about this and uh, came to the conclusion that this subject is a difficult one to understand. Simply stated, sin leads to death. At its most basic level, sin leads to death but what is the sin unto death and I just wanted to you know all this so it's not new to you the Bible says in Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death the wages of sin is death may God write that on our hearts so that we never forget it there is a price to pay for sin and it's death it's not just physical. We're talking about spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Do you want to know why I follow Jesus? It's because of Romans 6.23. I know the end of the road of sin, it leads to death, death. It leads to death. So as we think about it, yes, it's a difficult subject. Simply stated, sin leads to death. We are all sinners deserving death. Why? What does, that, what does Romans 6.23 say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I, uh, I was looking for a graphic of a, of a target, you know, with a bow and arrow and the, the, the Robin Hood type target. And, uh, and I thought, no, I, I won't take the time to do that. But sin is falling short. That's what sin is. It's falling short of the standard that God has created for us. And if you want to think about that, there's a verse in the Bible that says, be perfect even as God is perfect. Have we fallen short of that standard? Yeah, I think so. I know I have. I have. And it only makes me love God more. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And uh, this verse is uh, from a, a different translation. It says, the payment for sin is death. But, but, I love the buts of the Bible. The, the payment for sin is death, but the gift that God freely gives, the gift that keeps on giving and giving and giving. What is that gift? Well, here it is. Wait for it. Everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is a gift worth seeking. And if you have received that gift, you should thank God every day that forgiveness with, from God has come to your life. That you're in that place where you can have a relationship with God that is based on a finished work, the finished work of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. Everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So... We come back to it, the subjects of... Uh, oops, jump straight across that. Um, we are all sinners, but because of Jesus, we can be saved. I don't know if you've ever done this with Robin, asked her how, how she was, and she comes back by saying, well, because of Jesus, okay. That is the truth for a Christian. Because of Jesus, it's all okay, it's all right, because God is with us and he will help us. So what then is this sin unto death? Now I've thought about this over the years and, and I'm sure there will be some people here who will be able to identify with what I'm going to say. There is a thing called the unforgivable sin. And uh, when I was younger, uh, many, many years ago, I, I went to a soul-winning conference in Adelaide in South Australia. They had a, an American speaker come and uh, he spoke every night for a week. And um, on one night, his topic was the unforgivable sin. And, uh, and he spoke on that subject and I didn't agree with him. It was a guilt trip. 
you know, uh, sort of throwing it out there, have you committed the unforgivable sin? You need to get saved tonight. Well, that's true. We do need to get saved tonight if we're not saved. But this, this unforgivable sin has troubled many people. It's based on uh, Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 31, 32, also found in Mark chapter 3. By the way, two Gospels record this. Jesus said, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will, will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And that's called the unforgivable sin. Now, we have a, the older generation has an idea that blasphemy is using God's name as a swear word, blaspheming. And so we hear people saying, oh God, you know, or Jesus Christ, yeah. And we say, that's blasphemy. Um, but actually, it's speaking against the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. How do we speak against the Holy Spirit? How do we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Answer, we refuse to accept the work that he is wanting to do in our hearts and lives. Now, John talks about it in his gospel. The work of the Holy Spirit, is, is, there are a number of aspects to it. He's called the advocate who comes alongside to help. But he's also, this is his role. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit's work is to convict a person that they've sinned, they've broken God's law. So that's the first thing, to convict. He's the convictor. And if the Holy Spirit is on your case, listen to him. You know? Um, because he may not always be doing that. And the second thing that the Holy Spirit does, he reveals Jesus. The third thing that he does is he is the one who works this miraculous thing called new birth. None of us would be born again save for the working of the Holy Spirit. So I've come to understand that the unforgivable sin, well, I wrote it down here. Here it is. When it comes time to die, you do so without having repented of your sin and accepted Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. That, on the basis of the Bible, is totally unforgivable. You get to the end of this life without Jesus and you are damned for eternity. That's the reality. That's a hard word, that, but it's a true word. That was what Jesus said in John 14, 6, wasn't it? I'm the way, the truth and the life. I'm the way to God, the truth about God. I'm the one who gives life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. So, okay, so then, what do we know? What do you know? What do I know? Well, the, the last few verses give us three things that we can know, and here they are. Notice I underlined the word know. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who is born of God protects him and the evil one doesn't touch him. As Christians, our goal in life is to live a life that is pleasing to God. To not offend God. 
to submit to God, to allow God to work what he wants to do in our lives. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We don't need a rocket, uh, don't need a university degree to understand that's true, don't we? In the world in which we're living today, just ask the people of Ukraine. They'll tell you. Number three, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And then he closes the chapter, little children, keep yourself from idols. Just got one more thing to say and we're finished. Um, I want you to think about this. Is there a difference between knowing God or knowing about God? Years ago, when we were in Tasmania, I was pastoring two churches in Tassie, we had a Christian school. And uh, this Christian school uh, was, had a Christian curriculum. The children were memorising scripture. And... Uh, not all of the students became Christians. And I've grieved over that ever since. Not that I could make them Christians, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But all we did with those who, who would reject the, the message of the gospel was we made smart pagans out of them. They knew the Bible verses, or well, they knew about the Bible verses, they knew about God, they knew about Jesus, they had heard the gospel many, many times, but they'd never surrendered to it. They'd never invited the Lord into their life in a real and saving way. It's possible that we know a lot about God, but do we know him? That's the question, that's the big question today. Do you know God in a personal way? Well, Jesus encourages us about this. Eternal life is this, knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ, the one that God has sent. John, in this fifth chapter of this letter, said this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might know in your believing, in your thinking, in your living, that you might know that you have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, friends, it's lovely to be together today. If you don't know for sure that you have eternal life, would you speak to us about it afterwards? Just come and... It's, it's like a, a death threat, isn't it? Anyone who dares to speak with me after... Go and speak to Pastor Stephen. He, he'll be glad, or any, any of the, the leadership here would be glad just to share with you how it's possible to know that you have eternal life. You can actually know it. I'm not talking about feeling it. I'm talking about knowing it. A bedrock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how wonderful it is to read the scriptures and realise that it's possible, the Bible says so, that we might know 
that we have eternal life. And this life is in your Son. The Scriptures declare, He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. So, Father, this could be a singularly significant and wonderful day for people. I wonder how many people have been seeking you today uh, as the hours have unfolded this, this Sunday, 19 June 2022. Father, accomplish in us that which is your plan and purpose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>